Hello and welcome to the Casuals Degenerates C2C podcast. I'm your host, Luke Probasco, and as always, is with me is my co-host, Jacob Belleville. Welcome, Hello. Jacob. <laughs> Anyways, we are here with a our with Colin Decker at C2C Decker on Twitter. He is our the co-founder, one of the co-founders at campusdecanton.com. Also, he is the chef for the uh, Campus to Canton crew. Um, a little note, unknown fact to m- many, Colin is actually a culinary arts major. He, he did that th- in, I think he said, to his sophomore year of college where he had an internship um, in Las Vegas with uh, uh, Mr. Ramsey there. At one of his restaurants, Colin was actually too good that Ramsey fired him and sent him packing back to Pennsylvania. Welcome, Colin Decker. Thank you. What an intro. Um, yeah, not not many people know my uh, my culinary history there, um, but yeah, Ramsey was definitely threatened by me. Uh, another good chef, another good looking chef there too. He just uh, yeah, he was he wasn't having it. I was upstaging him, so he sent me back. I'm excited because I'm I'm hearing that uh, guy has mentioned that he he's got he's hearing some diner drive-in dives that you might be doing there in the the Pennsylvania area. So I'm I'm very excited to hear about your endeavors there. Oh yeah, we have plenty of diners, drive-ins, and dives in in PA, especially especially the dives. <laughs> well, um, we're gonna get right into our quick hitter. Would you rather have a number one wide receiver in a run first offense or a number two wide receiver in a good offense or a team with like a bad defense. So, you know, I'm kind of looking at, you know, your Bateman or AJ Brown or DK Metcalf where you're kind of in that number one role or n- versus a T Higgins or Nico Collins um, or Robinson there in LA. What it, Jacob first go with you what do you, what would you rather have um honestly I'm just gonna go with the best player I think NFL offenses have absolutely shown that wide receiver twos on good passing offenses can be fantasy viable so once you get to that wide receiver three range you think about like maybe Dallas when they had Amari CD lamb and uh, Gallup it's like Whoever's the third option there, I don't want them. I guess in in terms of redraft, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably lean the wide receiver one because they're going to get the targets. But at the same time, those wide receiver twos, like potentially like a T Higgins, I I'm not convinced he's the absolute wide receiver two there. But at the same time, he's going to get enough volume that he's going to he could potentially outperform like an AJ Brown. Colin, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I think it depends on the wide receiver and it depends on the offense. Like I don't mind taking any abatement, AJ Brown or DK. Those are all like really talented players and they are in a run more run heavy offense, but they're gonna get theirs. Um, but I think the thing that matters the most for me, um, when you say a good offense I want a fast-paced offense. I want an offense that's going to run a lot of plays. Uh, it's going to produce a lot of volume, and volume is king 
Um, so, you know, Allen Robinson, who I think he's a very good receiver in his own right, but Allen Robinson in L.A., I mean, I think L.A., they're going to run a lot of plays. Yeah, they're going to throw to Cooper Cup, but, I mean, they can't all go to Cooper Cup. Um, so it's a good offense. It's a fast offense. Uh, so uh, that's kind of the offense I would target. And then me, I just kind of like you said, Jacob, like I want the best wide receiver because here in camps to Canton leagues, situations change quickly. Like just ask DK Metcalf who might have Geno Smith throwing to him or uh, Drew Locke. So that's, that's kind of what I want. The best receivers can, you know, Hopkins did it for how many years in, in Houston with no-name quarterbacks throwing to him, and he did just fine. If you're a good wide receiver, you're going to be good and put up points and, like you said, be that number one guy. You're going to get the targets. And in, in our league, is a PPR league, like that's what you need. You need targets. I will say that nothing I've looked at like really says that a team can support three wide receivers that are going to hit in your top 24 for the season. So that's where I, that's where when you get these teams that are somewhat stacked at wide receiver, it's like, okay, like if Robert Woods, Cooper cup and Allen Robinson were all on the same team, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to wait this one out and see like, who's actually going to emerge as the wide receiver three. But that's just me. All right. So that, that question came courtesy of, of Nate McCullough in the, in the league. So what, just kind of out of curiosity, who would you take, uh, Bateman or Nico Collins? Bateman. Yeah, Bateman, pretty easy. Um, I don't think Houston's offense is going to be that great. I'm not a huge Davis Mills believer. So Bateman or T. Higgins? T. That was a little closer for me. I'm a big Bateman fan, but I'll still take T. Higgins. So... And I would, I think I would take Bateman just because I want, you know, try to get all those consolidated targets. And I mean, believe it or not, if uh, I can't remember where I read it, but I think down the stretch, Higgins scored more fantasy points than, or had more receptions and yards than Jamar Chase did. I think in games that they played together with Jamar Chase, I think he was more targeted. Um, I don't know if he was more productive because he doesn't have that yards after catch ability that Jamar has. I mean, that's kind of the game breaker there. But, yeah, I think he he received more targets and air yards. I would have to look that up. That was something that, like, when I heard it, I was like, oh. Like, watching the games and, like, just all through last year, you just thought that Chase just killed it. But, like, Higgins wasn't a slouch. Chase's numbers at the end of the year were really buoyed by that. I think it was like week 17 or week 16, yep. 50 burger that he put up. So, I mean, when you put up, when you put up like 50 points, like it's, that's going to boost your stock so much higher. Yeah. And it was in the playoffs too. So people, people remember that stuff. So I'm with, I'm with Jacob, but T Higgins is being slept on a little bit. Right. But I think both are like, yeah, they're both, they're both really good. Yeah. <laughs> you want both of them. What about what about AJ Brown? Like, what do we think about him? You know, Jacob, you're an Eagles fan. What do you think that offense is going to look like with him in there now? I actually think it's going to look a l- really good. I mean, the team did a lot to like shore up some of the deficiencies from last year, and now I just 
like Devonta Smith, I had a lot of question marks coming out of college, but he produced like 900 yards in his rookie season. I mean, he's a good receiver in the NFL. Now, is he elite? I don't know. But to have those two guys on the outside, we have speed for days, like with the people behind them at wide receiver. And then we've got a great run blocking O-line. I think, I think AJ Brown is a much better real life football fit for Philadelphia than what he's going to be for fantasy. So what I'm hearing is Jalen Rager season. (laughs) Oh, I hope so. I love Jalen Rager. I mean, love, love, hate, but to be honest, like he was, he was like my unicorn coming out and I don't know. I I would love to see him have, have success in the league. Let's put it that way. Colin, what do you, what would you do there with, what do you think with AJ Brown and that offense? Yeah, I mean, I think A.J. Brown is, is going to be the number one wide receiver in this offense. You know, Devonta Smith was, was good, and he was productive, but he was really the only legitimate threat at wide receiver. They have a couple, like, nice um, specialized players, like, you know, Rager can help take the top off the defense, so can Quez. Yeah. Um, you know, so they have some specialty guys there, but A.J. Brown is just a complete wide receiver, and moving Devonta Smith to a wide receiver two role, I think, is really going to help him. Um, I like AJ Brown a lot. Uh, you just got to get a quarterback that's going to be able to actually like throw the ball to him consistently. Like I think Hertz gets a little too much hate, but I do have. I don't know how he's going to support uh, a like how high he's going to be able to keep AJ Brown's ceiling. So I, I agree with Jacob again. You know, probably better real life than fantasy. But I don't think he's going to be bad. So I, I think they're going to be able to be in the red zone more often. It's like when you got down there, like the Titans just gave it to Derrick Henry. Like you just kind of knew that was happening. It's like, but now like Derrick Henry is now kind of like Hurts, where Hurts might run it in type thing. I mean, Tannehill did a pretty good job of that too. Like he, he's nabbed a couple touchdowns there. So hopefully he gets more opportunities, um, you know, being down in the red zone more often and gets some some balls thrown his way but like the dude's just so crazy efficient with like his yak it's just amazing and i can't believe it's been sustainable thus far i just like i'm just waiting for it like oh he can't do that again kind of like derrick henry like no way he can he produce like that again no way can he do it so anyway i mean that offense, just the entire like scheme and coaching staff, I don't see it supporting, you know, drafting Miles Sanders highly. I don't see it supporting drafting AJ Brown like in you know your top maybe five wide receivers like in a redraft league. I don't see it supporting Devonta. Like one of those are going to crumble. Like someone's going to miss out. Like we're not going to put up that many yards, but real life football, I do think we're going to win a significant. We're going to look a lot better. I'll say that. All right. Getting into some NCAA news, uh, Dante Demas, is he back? Apparently he's back out running there for the Terrapins, clocked around 21, 22 miles an hour. So that's, you know, according to big wide receiver guy, that's like four or five, like, or under with that speed. It doesn't always translate that way, but that's kind of roughly where that is. Um, he had that bad knee injury there what was it? I can't remember what uh, night it was against the the Hawkeyes, and 
that's that's the danger. Like you want your guys to be on special teams, but also that's the danger. Like we saw that, and with Alabama, like we kind of saw that a couple times this year. Um, but he is on Grimm's team, so Grimm could use uh, all the help he can get with uh, that uh, group of guys he calls uh, the farm system. Um, Tennessee received notice of allegations from sometime in the 2018 to 20. 20 season of 18 violations and they gave out $60,000 to players so I don't know where these McDonald's bags keep popping up from but they can't seem to shake it they're you know they're just you know ahead of their time for the NIL deals so I don't really know what's going to come of that but just something to kind of know who knows they might probably just lose scholarships or or something for that Um, and then uh, South Dakota State is looking to move on from the Mountain West by August 3rd is what the rumors are. So uh, another team out um, in the Mountain West, or I guess that would be the first team out in the Mountain West, but uh, seems like all those teams out West are are moving somewhere. So um, any Colin, is there any other college news that I may have missed in the – in the grand scheme of things, um, nothing big. I mean, we've had there's been some like media day conference media days. Nothing huge has come out of those. One thing that I think is um, noteworthy is both Mo Ibrahim and Trey Potts um, are back with the team, supposedly healthy and looking like they're going to start the season um, healthy. So, you know, both of them coming off pretty bad injuries there. Mo with the Achilles. And Trey Potts with whatever hospitalized him. Uh, I think that's big to have that both of them back. All right. Jacob, I'll let you take over the NFL news. Yeah, so for NFL news this week, um, you're going to be seeing a lot of OTA stuff. Um, Give it all to me. Give it all. We've been so long without it. Give it all to me. I don't even care. It, it's a fun week, but like I'm not going over everything. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen tonight. It's not going to happen going forward. I'm not going to tell you about the awesome catch that Traylon Burks had in OTAs today. But did he I have a? Was he able to breathe while catching it? He was. That's good. <laughs> the asthma is cured. Do you know how he did it? And it hasn't. It ran a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Leonard Fournette's looking skinny. Shape in the off season, but like that was me every single year of high school too. Like I showed up to camp and I was terrible. Last string, but so the NFL news that I do have is James Robinson is not on the pup list. Um, that's significant, I guess, more for probably redraft leagues. Um, Travis Etienne is a player that you should be high on for redraft, redraft leagues, but he's also coming off of a Liz Franck. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's a French term, apparently. But anyways, they're, they do, like, they're a detriment to a running back coming back from. Like, they tend to linger. Um, they're not as explosive, whatever the case may be. But, you know, James Robinson, I believe, is coming off an Achilles, and so it's the same scenario. We know James Robinson is a good NFL running back. We know Travis Etienne should be a good NFL running back. It's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out, like especially in the first half of the season. 
and Travis Etienne, I'm just kind of out on because of the Liz Frank injury. Because you think back to Greg Olson had this, like, granted he's a tight end, but it took him, like, that was kind of like prime Greg Olson years, and he took a couple years off to, like, get back to normal. Debo had it two years two years ago, and then usually when you get that, it's been, I, I don't know the exact stat, but there's usually a hamstring injury on the opposite leg of the Liz Frank injury. So, I'm just kind of more. It's like more than fifty percent. It's got to be like seventy or eighty percent. So it's like when that happens, especially like redraft, I'm just kind of out. Somebody else can take that chance. But it's crazy to think that James Robinson is going into year three with his third different head coach, and you know he's undrafted, and now he's like, I can't imagine what it's like to be in that locker room of just like probably just feeling alone with a sense of everybody that wanted me is like now just gone so and well, even no one wanted him because he went undrafted <laughs> but, but honestly there's there was no like there's no expense on the team's part to go and get James Robinson he just happened to work out which is awesome for him and he's going to get another contract but at the same time it kind of opens the window for him to stay in Jacksonville if that's what he chooses to do because Say it was an ACL for um, for ETN. That's much easier to come back from and look, you know, and start the season and just go, you know, forge ahead. But these injuries that linger, like now he has an opportunity to basically say, "No, I'm the guy," and then get a big contract from Jacksonville, which I don't know if he actually wants that. Like maybe he wants to test free agency. But I actually think it's working out pretty good for everyone except for ETN and the Jaguars. So then the next one is Julio to the Bucks. Obviously, love Julio Jones. Um, he's going to the Bucks. I believe another point on here is Chris Godwin is expected week one. I don't think you sign Julio if you're confident that he's going to be playing week one. Also, didn't he tear his ACL, like, week 15 or something? Like, it just yeah. it seems like an unrealistic timetable. I can't remember if he tore his ACL before or after Robert Woods. But, you know, something is Robert Woods just shed his knee brace today. So, like, I, I don't know. I just don't. Unless they have Clemson doctors there, I just don't see it happening. So, I just... I don't see Godwin coming back, and Julio to the Bucks is just kind of whatever. It's I kind of am shocked that he didn't go to Indy. I figured he would want to, like, he's got chemistry with Matt Ryan. I figured he would want to go there. But you can't deny playing with, you know, Tom Brady. Maybe he'll finally get all those touchdowns that he never got in Atlanta. Well, and Tom Brady's MO is, like, he doesn't want rookie guys. Like, he wants veterans, and he's going to tell them exactly. Like, he doesn't want to be able – he doesn't want to have to tell people what to do. Like, he, he expects you to perform at a certain level. So and I think, honestly, this might even be more telling of, like, the Scotty Millers and the um, Tyler Johnsons than it really says of Julio. I yeah, I think Julio just – 
I think Julio just kind of wants a ring at this point, you know? I mean, I think that's kind of where he's at in his career. He's like, let me let me gear up and, and try and go get one, and I think the Bucks have a good shot at it. So, you know, I think that's the biggest driver behind this move. I don't know how fantasy relevant he'll be. Yeah. yeah. So the next one, Bucks optimistic Godwin is back. We kind of already touched on it. I don't think he's going to be back week one. Neither do I. I think he starts on the pup. Misses at least four games and goes from there. Then Justin Ross is going to the IRR for, I believe it's a foot injury. Yep. Is it a foot? Yeah, he had foot surgery. So, so kind of sucks, but at the same time, it's like it keeps the door open for him to finally get paid. I don't know. Like, he, he's going to be coming back to the Chiefs and – there's, there's going to be a lot of wiggle room there in the wide receiver room next year. So it, I just hope the guy, you know, has somewhat of a career in the NFL and is able to at least, you know, capitalize on the fact that he was at one point one of the great college players. Yeah, and at least it's not the neck injury. You know, that's like the big thing that everybody's so worried about with him. What um, was like the, the spinal injury, um, you know, that he had. So, or the whatever it was, something with the spine there, yeah. a fusion or yeah, yeah, something so. like I think that. He had the same, it's not that. I think he had the same surgery that Peyton Manning had, like that neck surgery, I think. But I think he was born with, like, the vertebrae were fused. So yeah, like, it was something like that. Like, thick piece rather than, like, I don't know, no, no flex in it, I guess. I don't know. Then Josh Palmer, wide receiver three. I left this one on there because Josh Palmer was a guy in 2021, and this is obviously before this league. I wasn't as in tune with college, but he, like, surprised me at the draft. I'm like, why Why would they select that guy? <laughs> so then I go and kind of look, and he actually put up pretty good stats, you know, in college. So um, he's kind of interesting. I don't think – you know, teams don't really support wide receiver threes in terms of, like, starting him or anything like that. But at the same time, he's now going to get some playing time and you're going to be able to see what he looks like. Yeah, and, you know, obviously never root for injuries or anything like that, but he's one injury away from being the wide receiver two on a on a good Chargers offense with a good quarterback. And, you know, that's that's got some value in it. Circling back to our, you know, opening quick hitter question, would you rather have a wide receiver two on a good offense? Um, you got um, Herbs running everything here, and right now he's a third third wide receiver, so at least maybe J- Guyton's not running like 12 miles a game. Um, he just seemed to run go routes and then maybe get a, a toss here or there. But, uh, oh, I do. <laughs> so. So I'm our our league's deep. We've got three wide receivers that we start, five flex. Um, so he's definitely going to have some games. And I guess I want to do a quick recap after we get through the news here of just kind of our league setup. Um, recently put some stuff out on Twitter, so maybe some more people are watching. So just kind of give an idea of of how the league's set up. So then Trey Lance season, they announced that Trey Lance is going to be the starter. I, It's like hindsight is twenty twenty, right? I mean, reality is, is you should have traded Jimmy G when he was healthy last year. But you wouldn't have probably – you probably wouldn't have won as many games. 
So you're kind of in this weird zone right now with Jimmy G on getting a return on him. Um, but yeah, I think we all knew that Trey Lance was going to, going to get the chance to start, and if he didn't, then he was he was a dog. I mean, you just got to cut bait. But now we're going to see it, and I'm kind of excited to see what that offense looks like with him. Yeah, me too. I, I think he can really unlock uh, another side to that offense, just being mobile like he is, you know. Uh, that was one of his best assets in college. And that's kind of where the game's moving nowadays. I think Jimmy G is a starting caliber quarterback in this league, but Trey Lance has all the tools, So, and you spent such a high pick on him, you got to see what he's got. Yep. And as a 49ers fan, um, you have, like Colin said, you have to see what you got. But I'm also terrified because if you think about it, like Jimmy takes him to the Super Bowl, then like everybody and their mother gets injured. They have their bad season. They get you know the quarterback of the future, and then Jimmy G comes back. Everybody's healthy and almost make it back to the Super Bowl again, taking down a powerful Rams team. Like it's just hard to find those quarterbacks like he's not anything sexy or flashy or anything but like he wins and good quarterbacks are hard to find like ask Cleveland so it's like you have that and that's like the guy who almost took you to the dance two times in three years and you're like you know what like we're gonna go test out Trey Lance and it's just it seems reckless to me I'd much rather have him on the team as a good backup, because good backups are hard to find, and while you have to eat the money, I, as a fan, I'd rather have that, that, hey, if Trey Lance struggles, hey, at least you have him here, and you can do that. Um, also, when Sleeper broke the news, it, it said, Shanahan says, it's Trey's time, and I initially read that, I was like, so now we're giving it to Trey Sermon? <laughs> That's what I initially thought. I, I was I was caught off guard. I was like, okay, Trey Lance, that makes way more sense. So then the last thing, well, not the last thing, but Ramondre with the first team and Harris with Damian Harris and Patriots OTAs with the second team. I've seen a lot of basically – like Twitter posts that are saying no, this isn't the case. Like they were splitting time with the first team. I actually believe that. I think as a Ramondre Stevenson owner, like we're going to be playing the hot hand with the Patriots again this year, and it's going to be tough to determine what week you're going to start either of them in. Um, I will say that I did see like kind of consensus was that Ramondre was the passing down back, so. That's positive, but at the same time, I don't think Ramondre is like a J.D. McKissick where there is savant at that. So it, it's still pretty muted. I mean, it's I don't know what to make of it, really. Yeah, I mean, Patriots running backs are always ever, and they've always been frustrating for as long as I can remember. It's one of the worst parts about them. I mean, just in general, fantasy is tough for them, but it's always a hot hand approach. I mean, I remember the one season, um, Jonah Gray, like just yep. randomly had some huge games and then just like, fell off game. the face of the earth. Like crazy. 
Yeah, it just fell off the face of the earth. Um, yeah, so I don't really know what that backfield's going to look like, but James White's supposed to be back and healthy after getting hurt last year. I mean, you know, so I think he's going to factor in at some in some capacity too. Yep. If he's if he's back and healthy, there's no way that Ramondre is the passing down back. Like it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's so. just going to be frustrating. Yeah, it's Patriots backfield, so it's just kind of whatever. So the next one's Chris Carson retired. Um, he's had a neck injury for the last probably year and a half, two years. Um, it's kind of a bummer because he's you know a seventh round pick and he was able to forge his own role and be productive you know in the NFL. He was a really good running back for a long time. So kind of sucks that he's just out because of something out of his control. Yeah, I mean, it's a great story there, you know, him throughout his career. And I do like that the Seahawks did right by him and, um, you know, did, did like the injury designation for the retirement or whatever. So he can still collect an injury settlement from the league. Um, so, you know, he gets a little nice chunk of change there on his way out the door, which I liked. And, and it's little things like that, that as a player, I see a franchise do that. And it's like, okay, like, I can go to the – it's a good franchise. Kind of like, you know – They oh, care. Yeah, they care. Kind of like owners, kind of like the Falcons um, with Calvin Ridley. The Eagles were trying to get Calvin Ridley, and then they were going to trade him. And it's like, oh, wait, there's some news coming out. We're not going to trade you. Like, I think that gets a lot of props within the NFL circles um, as opposed to like, oh – we're going to try to sell him at top dollar, even though we know this is going on. So I think that in the player's eyes, you know, it might not be a lot, but I think it's it's a little that, like, hey, this this is a good franchise. So then uh, John Mechie, obviously the, the news came out that he was dealing with some type of leukemia. Um, I think he, in his statement he said it's pretty curable at this point, which is great. Um, but obviously not what you want to see. And he went to a landing spot that he might have got some run, you know, year one. So um, just obviously not not fun news, but at the same time, hoping, he, hoping for the best. Yeah, that's a tough break for him. I mean, tore his ACL um, later in the year last year and then, you know, gets this leukemia news. Like, that's that's tough. That's got to take a real toll on the player. You know, you, you just hope that he hope that he gets through that and, and can come back to the field. And I don't yep. know exactly his age, if he's 21 or 22, but, like, thinking about those two things that happen at a young age, that, like, you just have to be mentally tough to get through those things. And some people at that age might not be. Like, I hope yep. he is, but it's going to be – it's going to be a difficult thing to go through. If if you guys remember, I think he tore his ACL in the was it the SEC championship game or was it the one of the playoff games? But like I want to, he, say, it was, I want to say it was the playoff game because like he but, went into the like locker room and like they had to send somebody in to get him because like he just didn't want to come out like just so yeah. emotional and stuff and like I just can't I can't imagine like okay. You know, I'm I'm getting over this. I'm getting over this, and then boom, this happens. It's just, it's a lot. It's almost, you know, probably not as bad in the sense of mentally, of like always having an injury that you have to rehab every year. But 
It's just like, hey, I want to get out there. Team players like say I'm done doing that too. Like Andrew Luck was just done with all the rehab and all the rehabbing of injuries and that entire process. So, and so, I mean, it sucks, but you know, obviously, hopefully, everything comes out great and he's able to get back on the field at some point. But, yeah, let's hope. Yep. Then the last one I have is Kyler Murray signed for five years, two hundred and thirty and a half million, uh, one hundred and sixty million guaranteed. I think it's deserved. I'm probably lower on Kyler than probably most people, I guess, for fantasy purposes. But at the same time, he has produced. That's the going rate for quarterbacks at this point. And Lamar is sitting back and just saying, if I can get an MVP this year, I'm going to break the bank. I mean, he yeah. might. Yeah, it's good yeah. for <laughs> when people get pl- when people get paid. It's good for players. Yeah, and I mean we always see this every every year. Whoever the hot name on the free the quarterback is on the free agent market, they just reset the value, you know. And I think Lamar is going to be the next person to do that, you know. Whether it's with the Ravens, which I don't imagine they let him go, or on the open market, I mean he's going to get paid, and it's going to be more than this this deal here. And it's one of those things that people are like, oh, is it going to get done or not? I just talked about it with the 49, like 49ers, Browns. It's hard to find a quarterback. And Kyler Murray, you Kyler Murray was the first overall pick, and the Cardinals like ascended immediately. Like he's a good quarterback. While he might not be like great, he's worth money to not go back into the cellar and be like the Browns trying to find a quarterback or you know Chicago. Who knows what's gonna end up going on with with that? It's so, like, you knew he was going to get paid. What I want to talk about a little bit is this addendum. And it's important to say it's addendum because it wasn't originally in the contract and then it was added by somebody that he must do four hours of independent study. Um, I kind of think it's a little bit of egg on the face of the the franchise because if obviously they want to have an out to get their money back in some facet, but if you're going to nickel and dime me, or I call it grimming, if you want to grim me over, you know, four hours of watching film, like, I, I don't know how that gets players to want to come um, to that franchise. So what are your guys' thoughts? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a weird addendum. It's, it goes both ways, right? Like the team obviously wants him to be studying film more and to be more prepared. Great. Kyler obviously doesn't need that to be productive on the field at this point in his career. So, I mean, for 200 and for however many millions of dollars that is, I don't think it's that crazy, but at the same time, it's, it is weird. I mean, it obviously highlights that he wasn't doing the film stuff. And it obviously highlights that they didn't like that he wasn't doing it. Yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of a bad look for, for both of them there. Like, you're an NFL quarterback. There's kind of some level of expectation when it comes to your preparedness. Um, so Jamarcus why... Russell would beg to differ. <laughs> um, so why do they have to put it in there? 
you know, for him, like that should just kind of be something you do on your own. But then at the same time, why do they feel they need to have to put it in there? Like that's just, it's just kind of an odd situation there. And Kyler Murray is just such an improvisational quarterback that, and he's been successful to this point in his career. Like I get wanting him to prep, but you have to, it's like you can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink, you know, like, I'm sure they have some sort of like eye tracking software or whatever that they're going to use to make sure he's doing this. And I mean, I've done this trick at work where, you know, if I want to go take a nap, I'll just put a video on my laptop and just put something up and I'll just go take a nap. You know, he could do the same thing. He just put the film on and just sit there and just watch something else or browse on his phone or or something. You know, I, I just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I want to know if when they gave the contract extension, um, to clip, Cliff Kingsbury, if they said, well, hey, you need to do, like, some, like, you need to do something in the second half of the season so you start winning. So, like, you probably should look at the teams that you're, you know, trying <laughs> trying to beat. Um, just don't rely on your first half of the season. That's what I want to see. But. So is that all the news that we have, Jacob? That's it. All right, league news. We had one. Um, so I guess recap of our league. We have ten teams. It's a campus of Canton league. Um, one point PPR. It is not tight end premium. The NFL side is one quarterback, one super flex, two running backs, three wide receivers, one tight end, and five flex. So being one point PPR, like, You'd think either pass catching running backs or, or wide receivers um, ones to target. On the college side, we start three quarterbacks, one tight end, two running backs, three wide receivers, and five flags. So pretty much mimics, except for we don't have three quarterbacks on the NFL side, but scoring's the same on both. Again, not tight end premium. But uh, we originally had two waivers after week four and after week eight. It was voted by the league to open it up to be four waivers at any point in the season. So that will be a new change going forward. After week one. After week one. Grim wanted to do after week zero, but whatever. Just wait till week one. Yeah. Um, and our trade counter. I want to start doing a trade counter and uh, highlight a trade of the week. So... We haven't even started the season, and we are at 54 trades this year. Um, last year total, we had 44, I believe. 44 or 46. So we've already amassed what we did last year. It's fun. It's an active league. So, like, that's the best part. Love it. So keep the trades rolling in. The trade of the week that I want to highlight is between Nate and Patrick. So Nate traded away um, Cortland Sutton and his 1105 in the supplemental draft. And I believe this happened pretty darn close to the uh, NCAA 601. So this was made during the during the draft and and Nate got NCAA 601, EJ Smith, and Jalen Berger. So the 601 ended up to be Keaton Mitchell, 
Um, the 11.05 ended up being Catron Allen. So Nate gets Keaton Mitchell, EJ Smith, Jalen Berger. Um, Patrick gets Cortland Sutton and Catron Allen. Jacob, your first thoughts of, of the trade. So I really like Keaton Mitchell, but I think you have to trust the talent of Cortland Sutton and an improved offense and see what see what's what with that Denver offense. I mean, if Cortland Sutton falls on his face this year and doesn't produce, yeah, that, that trade makes absolute sense. But right now, I don't know. Like, what if he's the wide receiver one? What if he goes on to post 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns? It's, there's, there's a lot up in the air with Cortland Sutton right now that would make me hesitant to trade him any which way. Colin, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I like Cortland Sutton's outlook this year on, uh, you know, he's going to be playing with the best quarterback that he's had in his career. Um, you know, and it's a quarterback in Russell Wilson, too, that likes to throw the ball downfield. Uh, yep. so I think that's something that can help with Cortland Sutton, too. I think he has a really nice opportunity this year. But even just beyond my thoughts on Cortland Sutton, if I'm trading away an NFL piece, uh, especially one that has been a top 24 wide receiver before and should be a top at least 36 wide receiver there conservatively, I, I need something on the college side. I would prefer something to get back on the, on the pro side, but on the college side, at the very least, I need you know some sort of a crown jewel in there, whether it's a really nice Debbie asset uh, that I have faith in can come up and be at least as good as Cortland Sutton. Or, um, you know, an extremely high-end CFF producer, if that's going to put me over the top. And, you know, in that regard, I'm talking a Lou Nichols. Uh, you know, I'm talking a Malik Cunningham. Somebody on that front, um, plus a couple other pieces there. So uh, I I would side with the Cortland Sutton one on this one. Yeah, I would also side with Cortland Sutton. Not really sure what... Nate was thinking it's like in Devi or in you know uh, dynasty leagues when you get that rookie fever but it's like supplement it's like I don't know it's the same thing it's like I feel like we all had it somewhere like I traded up to get back into the draft like I feel like a lot of people did that because they wanted to get their guys um, so yeah I tell you but that's you want to talk about that real quick, Jacob. I know that's probably the trade that you want to talk about. It's coming up. I mean, we don't need to deviate. Okay. Okay. We'll go. We'll go on here. Um, so we are now going to be kind of the meat of it, where we have Colin on here. We are going to talk about our favorite pick from each team. I didn't put any sort of stipulations on it. Could be because of value. It could be because of the player whatever it is um, we're going to talk about our least favorite pick for each team and then we're going to rank the draft 10 being the worst one being the best um, going from 10 to 1 with with what we think and then uh, which six do we think makes the playoff and and who wins and then Colin's going to wrap it up with three guys to kind of keep your eye on that were undrafted so We'll get started. Uh, this one will go uh, Colin, then myself, and then Jacob. So we'll just do 
each team first. This is best. Yes, this is your favorite. Uh, your favorite pick from each team here. Yeah, so I really took a look at this um, in both favorite and least favorite, mostly from a value perspective, um, more so than just like the player in and of itself. Um, so for five-star culture, and just to get it out there too, I don't know names of anybody in the league here. We kept it that way on purpose. I'm going to refer to it as the team name. Uh, so none of this is personal, uh, but five-star culture my favorite pick for him was uh, Dante Cephas, wide receiver out of Kent State in round 10. I think he's a guy who's going to put up some really nice fantasy numbers this year. Um, probably, you know, he'll be probably right around like a wide receiver 15, wide receiver 12, you know, somewhere in that range uh, on the year. But once you get into Mac play, he's the type of guy I think you can really carry your team. Uh, and getting him in round 10 is really nice. And then I went with Cam Ward. He went at 308, and I just felt like that was a fall for Cameron Ward. Who, who, there are questions about you know what he can be, and then what he can become for NFL. But I think at 38, again value wise, that was a a good pick. Yeah, I agree. And I did want to kind of, I saw you guys had filled out the share sheet first here. So I wanted to steer my answers in a little bit of a different direction at times. But I liked that Cam Ward pick too. Yeah, I went with Cam Ward. I mean, it kind of, it was one of the picks that kind of screwed me on quarterback for the entire draft. So yeah, it just stuck out. (laughs) All right, let's move to farm system. Yeah, uh, farm system, uh, favorite pick here, Malachi Corley, uh, wide receiver, Western Kentucky in round 13. He's a guy that I've really, really come around on lately. Uh, you know, I was interested in him earlier in the offseason, but Western Kentucky brought in a couple transfers. I didn't know exactly what that room was going to look like, but the buzz is he's should be the wide receiver one there. He should fill that Jareth Stearns role. And he's not going to put up 150 catches for 1,900 yards and 17 touchdowns like Stearns did. But if he even puts up 75% of Stearns' production from last year, he's wide receiver three on the year. You know, uh, So to get that in round 13 is fantastic. I think he's a, definitely a uh, top 10 wide receiver on the year. Um, I won't touch on much more than that. Malachi Corley was also my pick. And it was like a, a value wise of where you know where he got him. So, Jacob, who's your guy? I really like the Chris Marshall pick, just from where he was picking and the lack of kind of early round picks that he had. I think Chris Marshall ended up being my wide receiver six in my personal rankings. So I thought it was good value there because I was getting ready to pick him too. So, all right, moving on to Saturday champs. Yeah, Saturday Champs, um, my favorite pick here was Aiden O'Connell in round 12. Um, Yeah, just another really good CFF producer late. I mean, that's kind of a theme for a lot of my picks here, um, for my favorite picks. But Aiden O'Connell should have a really nice year this year. You guys start three quarterbacks, that's going to mean something. My my favorite part, so uh, peek behind the curtain, uh, Saturday Champs, 
drafted roughly 700 quarterbacks this draft. He was <laughs> he's trying to find a quarterback and if he misses on this, I don't know how many quarterbacks he actually drafted, but it was a lot. Um and Aiden O'Connell, I picked him 13 quarterbacks in the first 30 picks and that's when I was just like, okay, I'm going full on skill positions. I don't care. So um Let's see here. Actually, Saturday champs. No, this is okay. I, I got my I got my my teams mixed up here. So this is actually Nate. Mm-hmm. So I went with Aiden O'Connell because he he went in the twelfth round, eighth pick, and I just think he was really solid there. So so my apologies there, Nate. I was getting you and uh, Tweet mixed up there, um, but just the value of where he was going. You're only going to get one year from him. So, like, if you would have taken him sooner, that would have been kind of like the value-wise wouldn't have been as good. But 1208, you didn't have to invest a lot, and you're going to get a pretty solid producer. So that's why I went with Aiden O'Connell as well. So I went with uh, Keaton Mitchell at 601. Um, he He's a really interesting prospect in the same way that Devin McCain is. Like, we're talking about elite speed, slightly undersized, but if he can prove, if either one of those players can prove that they're a bell cow at their school, we're talking about Jamal Charles kind of falling into that range of outcomes for the NFL. And so that, that gets you intrigued. And so it'll be really interesting to see his usage, I guess, going into this next year. And he has some significant receiving chops, too. So I think he's going to produce for your college team no matter what. But there is this – you don't want to shoot for these guys because they're really hard to find. But at the same time, there is this upside that exists within Keaton Mitchell that I'm really intrigued by. Yeah, a little undersized, but, you know, like you said, he's he's fast. He'll put on some weight before the NFL. I don't know if he'll ever get to the point where he can carry a backfield for himself. But nowadays the NFL is splitting those backfields, and he has a skill set that should get him drafted. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I like Mitchell a lot too. All right, now we're moving on to SEC for the win. Yeah, SEC for the win. Um, my favorite pick here it was Jalen Glover in round 15, running back out of Utah. Um, Tavion Thomas is there. You know he'll probably lead that backfield. But uh, JV Jalen Glover is has already gotten a little bit of hype from the staff there, and he's just a little bowling ball. And he's like five eight and at like two hundred pounds. He's you know he's a tank. He fits what that offense is wants to do, and he's just going to be the next man up there. It's going to take a year, maybe two, but I think getting him that late uh, is going to be really nice because probably a redshirt year this year you're gonna like three years of production from him i think um i went with isaiah bond um he went and it was just a, a value standpoint like i just can't believe how far he fell um he ended up going 1002 which is like extremely good value there um i just kind of stayed away from him because of all the transfers that Alabama seems to be getting they seem to be not happy with their wide receiver room I'm just not Alabama wide receivers get drafted I just don't know if I want to 
gamble yet. There were other guys, you know, that I wanted that I felt safer with and just I don't know exactly what Isaiah Bond can do like on an NFL side. Like I feel like he's gonna be like he only has a particular set of skills that I just don't think he's like super versatile. So but here at what what I say, ten or twelve what yeah, that was yeah, that's great value there in the tenth round too. I liked yeah. that pick a lot as well. Yeah, I went I went Bond just because of the value. I mean, there were there were a few rounds like leading up to that where I'm like, do I do this? Like it's not it's not according to my rankings, but at the same time, he's an Alabama wide receiver and a very good athlete. So yeah, that's where I went. All right, next up is Seabock eighty four pays homage to the Randy Moss, our resident Vikings fan here. Uh, yeah, for this one, I liked uh, British Brooks running back out of North Carolina, going round 14 there. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the same type of usage that we saw from Ty Chandler last year for British Brooks. Uh, but it is does sound like he's going to lead that backfield there. Um, George Petaway seems like he's going to kind of be like that Michael Carter role for him, or for UNC, but he's an incoming freshman. It's going to take him a little bit of time to get up to speed. Uh, British Brooks should handle the bulk of that backfield work up until then. So getting him in round 14 is nice. I'll pivot. I also had British Brooks, but I'll pivot um, into round 15. His last pick at 15.07, he took Marcus Major. Um, I think running right now slated as a starting running back for Oklahoma. While they split up carries and maybe not be like super productive, I think bye week fill-ins, he could even probably be your flex guy because we start so many. Um, I think they're going to be a fast-paced offense, and he's going to get opportunities around the goal line. So in the 15th round, yeah, I'll take my sh- a shot there. And he's he was looking for um, points um, from running backs is kind of where – he, he, when we did our interview, he, he kind of mentioned that's what he needs is running back. So I think 14th round hitting with British Brooks and then 15th with Marcus Major, I think were two really good back-to-back picks. So I went with Grant DuBose uh, out of Charlotte. I just think there's every possibility that he's, you know, a top 20 receiver in receiving yards this year. And, you know, he's playing with the same quarterback, same system. I just... My, my initial plan was to stack uh, Chris Reynolds and DuBose at the end of the draft to kind of shore up my quarterback situation and then give me some CFF points, and yeah, Corey just blew that up. So, Yeah, I like DuBose, too. Charlotte's defense, too, should be bad, so that's going to put them in some shootouts. Yep. All right, now moving on to CWLS07. Um, I was calling him C. Wellis in my head, so C. W. Ellis. Gotcha. Sorry about that, C. W. Ellis. Um, my favorite pick on, on this one was Cartavius Norton, uh, running back, Iowa State, uh, in round eight. Cartavius Norton's another guy that this offseason has really risen up my ranks. Uh, you know, my co-host on Campus to Camp podcast, uh, Austin, is a big fan of Cartavius Norton as well. He's gotten some serious buzz uh, in spring. You know, they lose Brees Hall. There's not like a clear cut next man up, 
Uh, and Phil Steele, uh, who's you know been a longtime college football writer, uh, he produces a magazine every year where he talks to his contacts at every school, actually has Cortavius Norton projected to lead the backfield there. Uh, and I think he is, he's not going to be Brees Hall, but I think he's very much in that David Montgomery vein. And David Montgomery, very productive at, at Iowa State. So I think he can provide that similar production to that for at least three years, um, especially if he seizes the backfield early this year. So I, I like him in round eight. And I went with his next pick in round nine. Um, pick three was um, Seth Hennigan, quarterback out of um Memphis and as a freshman got to play kind of I mean Grant Gunnell got injured so he got some playing time did pretty well so I think having a quarterback for probably three more years with the COVID year I don't maybe he's got four years I don't know but I think he'll be pretty productive um, for Ellis here in the uh, coming years so I thought that was a really good pickup yeah, I went with Hennigan just because, you know, he was productive as a freshman, and so you're probably going to get a lot of points on the college side from him, most likely. I don't I don't see Memphis, you know, drawing in some superb talent to kind of upset that. Um, and then peek behind the curtain there, uh, Seth Hennigan goes at pick 903, and at pick 904, Jacob was supposed to be selecting and I I believe he got sniped there with uh Hennigan. Yes. So many times on quarterback it was I thought I was in like the Twilight Zone. It like, what the hell is going on here? Alright, I'm just gonna go with another size speed guy. It <laughs> it's amazing. Like when you get I wanna be like kinda wary of using snipe because, you know, whatever you took him like Four rounds before I was going to, but That's it's like what I'm saying it's not sniped, but like I was prepared to take this person. But it's someone like, was more prepared. It it just it hits different in college because there are so many players. Um, I'm in another league um, that Chris Moxley is in, and I was going to take uh, I can't remember his first name, but last name Washington, a Buffalo um, running back, Michael, Michael Washington. And we're, I don't know what round we were in in a supplemental league. And I've just never been so upset because he picked him the pick before. Like, I wanted this guy in Buffalo on my team so bad, you know, that I'm like, ah, maybe I should have traded up. And I was like, ah, you know, what are the odds that, you know, anybody's looking at the Buffalo running back right now? Sure enough, Chris Moxley. Chris Moxley always is looking at somebody obscured, so. Always G5. Always G5 for Moxley. So it just, it just hits different. There's so many players. It's like, why did you decide to take that person at that moment? Like, you got the big guys. It's like, okay, that's that's understandable. But once you get kind of down to there, it's, like I said, just hits a little different. So next up we have Hafe for KC, our resident Chiefs fan. Yeah, uh, Hafe for KC. Favorite pick for this team was uh, Jordan Mims, running back Fresno State in round 12. Uh, only has one more year of eligibility, but he should produce really well this year. Kalen DeBoer, 
the head, former head coach there did go over to Washington, so it's going to be a little bit different. They brought in Jeff Tedford back. He'd been there before. Um, so I don't think we can expect, you know, Ronnie Rivers-type production from Jordan Mims. But I do think Jordan Mims is going to be a huge part of this offense, uh, and I think he's going to be a really nice college producer. Getting somebody like that in round 12, is really I like that a lot. I don't really have much more to add. Mims was also my pick, so right on to you, Jacob. Yeah, I went with Isaiah Nayor. Um, I'm just kind of a big fan of him. I think he has great size for the NFL. I think he's athletic to be in the NFL. I think he broke out last year at Wyoming, so breakout age isn't really an issue. Obviously, he's going to be a late declare you know, because of this year, but at the same time, he's shown that at an early age he can be effective. So I'm, I'm more on the, on the side of like him, his NFL prospects are actually pretty good right now, as far as like how it all shakes out at Texas with every, every wide receiver that they got there. I have no idea. I mean, it's, it's, it's messy, but I like it. I like big guys who are like the premier deep threat for their teams. Yeah. And they should definitely be that. I liked that pick a lot there too. Um, you can. I like you guys going through this too because I can kind of see a little bit more of your strategies here, Jacob. You seem to lean more on the Devi side of things and always thinking yeah. more towards the NFL here. Because, um, like, I think all of your uh, favorite picks, except for Dubose, are you know more on the NFL side. Like, yeah, and frankly, I, I have some blind spots on the college side. Kind of <laughs> address it next year. I don't know. I I, I just got to learn more about the college side. Yeah, and when I was going through the teams too, I noticed I noted like, wow, there's some top tier Debbie talent on this squad, and that was Belleville's team. So your team was easy to pick out. Well, that's good, <laughs> but all right. So now we're moving on to Rinker I. Colin, who did you who did you like here for for Ian? Uh, yeah, I'll. You know, pivot a little bit more towards Debbie on this one too, but that's uh, Malik Neighbors in round twelve, wide receiver for LSU. Uh, he was a guy that uh, you know when you guys had me on pre-draft, I highlighted as somebody I was kind of surprised was still there. You know, he's been getting some nice hype uh, out of LSU's camp, and he was very productive as a freshman. So you know, the fact that he made it to round twelve, I think that one was a no-brainer. Um, favorite pick of mine that's one of my favorite picks in this draft yeah he was one of those guys that was kind of in my cues i was just like oh when do i take him but i had so many early picks i'm like i don't want to use one of these on neighbors um i am the boute owner so it's like if he doesn't play like maybe he would have been a good you know replacement but also thought with kelly there they kind of only feature one receiver and if I'm just kind of putting all my eggs into the Keishon Boutte basket, and I'm okay with that. But I thought that, w- that was also my pick there uh, from uh, Rinker Eye there. So, Jacob, who's yours? Yeah, I thought there was a lot, a lot to like about his draft in general. Yeah. Um, so I kind of went, I think Neighbors is like by far probably his best pick, but I went with Kanata Mumfield. Um, yeah, he's, I, th- I believe he's going to Pitt, but he had a smash success season last year. Early breakout age. I mean, everything you ask for when you want to go and draft, you know, a guy that wasn't drafted in a startup. Like, you're like, the ceiling on this guy is legit. 
And so I thought going and getting him was, was I, I picked that one as my as his best pick, but Neighbors is obviously up there as well. I guess since I did the same as Colin, I'll, like the other one that I really liked, uh, eighth round pick six with Barry and Brown in Kentucky. I thought that was like he just kept falling, and when I traded into the six. And I took like Genty because he's my guy and I wanted him. I was like, I was really torn. I was like, oh, that's like that's so good. Like he's just sitting there, and I should like I should have done it, but I I didn't. I wanted to get you know go get your guys. But that was also a, a really good pick falling that far. For sure. All right, moving on to Belleville's team. Colin, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know who, whose team this one is, um, but <laughs> they, so you guys both put this on the show sheet first, um, so I'll let you guys talk Tyler Harrell, but I think in round 15 that one was really nice, but um, my other favorite pick was the other round 15 pick, Nate Johnson, uh, He, you know, QB going to Utah, I mean, this dude is an electric athlete, like, you know, oh. He's not Lamar Jackson. Nobody's Lamar Jackson, but this kid's going to be close in terms of just being a raw athlete. Um, he was a, a four-star guy. Uh, Utah's not really going to recruit over him. They have brought in a couple transfers in the past, but I'm, I don't think they're going to bring in anybody else over this guy. I, he is the next man up at Utah, and with those legs, I mean, you're looking at like a Malik Cunningham type of a guy, I think. I'm not going to talk too much because we both, Jacob, picked Harold as, as your best pick. So I liked him. I want to hear why you like him. So the reason so the reason I picked Harold is because I typed in Harold to, like, look up and see if, like, Connor Harold had been taken yet. And then I see Tyler Harold there. I'm like, wait a minute. Is that the super speed demon that just transferred to Alabama? And then I checked, like, the the. Rep- the placeholder sheet no one had taken him so I'm like okay I guess I'm going to take him because my plan was in the 15th round I think I had three picks three to four but I was going to go all quarterback and just you know see if I can get some people to help me on the college side whatever the case may be but then he was there and I'm like you know what if he produces even a little bit and he starts for Alabama he's getting drafted so I'm taking him there so like it was kind of a no-brainer at that point. Nate Johnson and Ja'Curry Brown, I believe, were the two freshman quarterbacks I take. I took. I'm just playing for upside there. Um, Nate Johnson's more of, I think he'll be starting sooner rather than later, and it can actually help me on the on the CFF side. But Ja'Curry Brown, I'm not sure, but another elite elite-level athlete. I mean, if you actually look at his high school stats, they're very similar to Lamar Jackson. So... It's like, I'm going to bet on the talent at this point in the draft, and hopefully they can learn all the stuff that is necessary to become a good quarterback. I am a little bit nervous with Nate Johnson and his starting situation. I don't know how much Cameron Rising has left. I think it's two years. Maybe it's three. I, I just, think it's two. I just don't see him uh, as a yeah. NFL quarterback, and I think that if you're not getting on the field until your third year – I don't think that's great. Yeah, I think uh, yeah, uh, Cam Rising two years left. I'm pretty sure, but he's been getting a little bit of like fringe NFL draft hype. 
But I think after this year, Utah is actually one of the um, sleeper teams that I think has an outside shot at making the playoff this year. And if that's the case, it's going to largely be on the back of a good defense, a solid running game, and Cam Rising putting them over the top. And if he does that, I could see him getting probably not first-round draft capital, but you know a second round in the Kellen Mond range. I think that would be enough for him to come out because I don't think he ever really hits the first round because he doesn't have those tools. Um, but if that happens, I like Nate Johnson a lot in year two. But I expect Nate Johnson to redshirt this year anyway, um, yep. so he'll probably have like three years of eligibility. Gotcha. By the time he starts. Um, moving on to the prospects. Colin, who did you like there? Uh, the prospects, um, I, I liked this draft. I mean, a lot. I mean, there's you know a lot of top end talent there, a lot of early picks. So going something a little bit later, um, Jordan Hudson in round 14, wide receiver going to TCU. I was a big fan of that pick. I am more of a DJ Allen guy than a Jordan Hudson, but Sonny Dykes' offense has supported two uh, fantasy-relevant wide receivers in the past. I think Jordan Hudson is a talented prospect, so I could see him being, you know, a very productive college wide receiver in that Sonny Dykes offense. And then he'll have some sort of an NFL future. I don't know how high that ceiling will be, but he'll make a roster. He'll probably stick around. Uh-huh. So I, getting that in round 14, I like that a lot. What if I told you in round six, because this is my team, so in round six. Well, I, I, <laughs> I knew which team was yours, and I knew which team was Jacobs. That one was an easy one, too. Um, so I got DJ Allen as well. So I just and I got Quentin Johnson. So apparently I just love the you know the system here that Dykes is bringing over. It's gonna be a good system. So, um, yeah, my my pick here that I I really liked was um, Izzy and Abanda Conda uh, running back at a pit. So I picked him in round eleven, pick seven. I was done after round six and then traded in for four more picks because I just kept seeing um, value drop and I wanted to pick it up and not have to I figured I could spend something now that would be cheaper than hoping to get them with fab with our our new new rules which we hadn't voted on yet we wanted to see how the draft sh- shook out and how much value is actually left and how we wanted to do that so I was thinking, hey, we only get two picks and there's all these people I want, so I'm going to just spend up now so they're hopefully cheaper. But getting Izzy there in the the 11th round was one of my favorite picks because I wanted to pick him up last year. I didn't, and we'll we'll see what he does here. I I have high hopes for him, him this year. Yeah, I went with Izzy just because with the amount of early round picks, it's like... Can you, you'd have to really mess it up to miss. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I went with Izzy. Yeah, I like Izzy a lot too. Um, and I think with the different offensive coordinator this year, a different offensive philosophy with Pickett being out too, uh, I think he could have a really nice year. Um, but I saw both you guys picked him, so I wanted to go a different direction. All right, our least favorite pick for each. So this one will go Colin. Or we'll do Jacob and then myself and Colin. So five star culture. 
Sorry about that. My son just woke up. I'm, I gotta go put him back in bed. Okay. I'll be right oh, back. Well, me and Colin will take over and we'll, we'll come back. So, um, for Five Star Culture, mine was Logan Diggs. Um, again, a lot of it was pretty much value-wise for me. Um, let's see here. Logan Diggs. Let's see here. Five Star Culture. Logan Diggs went round five, pick two. He's already going to miss like half the year um and i believe he's a junior is he a junior this year uh, i believe sophomore be a sophomore so it just seemed kind of pricey for a guy that you're probably not going to get to really use this year so that was my least favorite pick yeah i actually went with logan diggs too as my least favorite pick there he's a guy that i was interested in earlier in the offseason but you know, with that injury it's tough because he's going to miss probably about half of the year. He was a three-star guy. He wasn't – so he's not like this overly talented player that is just going to absolutely force his way onto the field. He's just a very steady, big back type of a player. And they have Audric Estime. I don't really love Estime, but very similar player. Estime is actually going to be on the field. They're in the same class. I don't know if Logan Diggs retakes that job um, even after he is back healthy. I think best, but best case scenario for him is he puts up maybe like 800 yards and is their like touchdown guy towards the end zone, is a little spotty, and then bounces around a couple, the back end of a roster on the NFL side. But I think that's his ceiling. Uh, I don't know if he even hits that, to be honest. All right, we'll make our way over to the farm system. Uh, my least favorite pick here was Connor Wegman. Uh, Connor Wegman was taken. Let's see here. Connor Wegman was taken in round three, pick two. I just thought was early for Connor Wegman. So I mean, he is a five star. He's going to Texas A&M, but just not my cup of tea. Yeah, five-star quarterbacks, uh, it's hard to find too much fault with them. Um, my least favorite pick here was Relique Brown, running back going to USC in round five. I mean, this dude is just tiny, tiny, tiny player. I mean, he's electric, he's fast, um, catches the ball well, but I don't know what that NFL future looks like. He's not the best running between the tackles. I think he's, at best, uh, like a committee guy in college. Uh, it's USC with Lincoln Riley. They're going to be able to bring in other recruits too. I just I don't know what the ceiling is for him, and to take him in round five, it's a little early for me. Welcome back, Jacob. Who's uh, your um, least favorite here for uh, farm system? Well, I'll go back in five star culture. I did not like Caleb Burton. That would that would be my pick, just because he has so much weight to gain. I mean, like it's a lot. And then, I guess for farm system, I did not like Ty J Spears. Tell us how and you really has, feel. Has no, listen, has nothing to do with what he's going to produce for your college team. Has everything to do with the fact that you traded for an 11th round pick and you gave me a 6th to move up. Like, I thought you were going to go and get Tyler Harrell. I thought you saw him there or something. I don't know. Like, some player that we weren't thinking about and just got missed. And then it's Ty J Spears. What a letdown! It's like it's like you it's like 
college. I, I it's like to see what he was gonna pick. It's like co- <laughs> it's like college. You're you're dancing with some girl in the in the dark. Then you you leave and you see the light and it's like whoa, ew. A little bit. <laughs> That's. I get like he's gonna he's gonna put up points this year. That's fine. He's gonna. I don't. I also don't understand how he's still designated a freshman from what I saw, but he's been in college four years. Yeah, that one confused me too. He's designated a freshman on fan tracks. I haven't actually looked him up on uh, the team website before, but he's. I know the COVID years are weird and everything like that, but he's been there for a while. Yeah. Um, website for their spring 2022 for Tulane has him listed as a redshirt sophomore. So that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. He keeps but on either, this pack. He might be a doctor. It was, so, it was just so messy, and I yeah. got the sixth-round pick out of it. And I'm just looking back at, like, the sixth-round picks that we had, and it's, like, Keaton Mitchell. It's I mean, it's these, like, Debbie guys. And I'm like, okay, you're kicking these picks down the road, but at the same time, you're going to be in the same situation next year if you don't have early-round picks. Because I, I believe farm system has already, like, basically traded away his entire first half of first quarter of the draft interesting it it is it is empty like let me try to pull we can move on to uh listen i i get ty j spears i get that he's going to produce for you i don't get the thought process surrounding ty j spears i trading up for him yeah trading up for him trating with i, I mean yeah, eleven for six. That was well. He still had the entire thirteenth round in picks. Like he drafted the entire thirteenth round. I believe he had a twelfth round pick. Is Ty, are you that worried that Ty J Spears isn't going to fall to the twelfth round from the eleventh? That's what. That's what I didn't understand about it. But yeah, I'm going to take the sixth round pick. Sure. Fantrax is taking its time here, but. So the next one, Saturday Champs. Um, who is your least favorite pick there? Everyone. Yeah, my least favorite pick on this one um, is a guy that I haven't really seen drafted in, in too many places this year. Uh, Sam Roush um, from Stanford in round seven. I was checking the placeholder sheet to make sure I wasn't missing something on this one. Um, That's and I... I didn't see him on there, so I'm assuming that was like that. That was the pick. Um, I mean, they have Ben Urasek there in front of him, who had a really nice year last year. He's still there. I think he has two more years of eligibility. It does take a little bit of time for tight ends to get on there uh, on the field and stuff. And, and Stanford does have a history of producing good tight ends, but round seven in a ten-team league for a guy that I don't see drafted very often in in deeper formats just uh was a real head scratcher for me and not tight end premium either he was i mean he he was my pick for for least favorite as well and kind of echo those so um i want to quick interrupt and, and go to back to Grimm's team farm system next year his picks are a third round a seventh three nines 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. So, like, really kneecapping. Like, Dan Campbell has got after Grimm. 
He's got no kneecaps. Listen, I, I get it if you want to devalue the college picks, but then you got to trade NFL talent to get college talent to make your team younger. And, like, it, it's become kind of – it might be becoming obvious at this point that you're going to be trading Derrick Henry – to like try to trade me for Derrick Henry, and it's like, eh, maybe I don't want to. The other, I don't know. The other thing about about this pick here from Saturday Champs, so Sam Roush goes round seven, pick five. Ben Urasek goes round eleven, pick ten. Like that. That's the part that kind of. Had me puzzled. Like one of my favorite tight ends that's still available out there. I mean, he's he's up there for me. So, um, I think I picked Calzada. Yeah. So the A and M quarterback. I really did that because I was watching a lot of A and M football last year because I have Demond Demas and I was hoping for this breakout year, which didn't happen. But um, Calzada just had a lot of. A lot of talent around him at A&M, and it didn't really manifest itself like on the football field. And then he goes to Auburn, where I think they actually have a little bit less talent. And so I don't. I didn't, I just didn't love the pick, and I wanted to go with something different than Roush. Yeah, I agree on Casada too. All right, off to um, SEC for the win. Um, least favorite here, Jacob. I went with Aaron Anderson. Um, some of the concerns that we have with Isaiah Bond, it's like, I don't know where Aaron Anderson fits in with that offense and the, the type of talent that they keep bringing in year after year. I just, I, I don't see it from a size perspective in the NFL, and I don't think he's dynamic enough to overcome that the size issue, I guess, for like Debbie purposes. So I'm just kind of, I'm kind of out on Aaron Anderson. Emmanuel Henderson was my pick. Um, just I don't think he's the running back to own. Alabama always brings in good running backs. I think he's just going to end up being skipped over. Granite twenty four seven I think has him as their running back one. I just think this is a a miss by them, and you know you might think you're getting value with. I can't remember which round he was taken. Which like I can't knock him for that. It's fairly late. I mean, it wasn't. But. It's like all like because Alabama guys weren't in the in the system, so it's like oh maybe I got you know I I really caught the league sleeping here. I, I for me I wasn't sleeping. I was just actively avoiding the guy. Yeah, I uh, I also picked Aaron Anderson on this one too. Um, I don't hate the player, uh, and you know SEC FTW obviously this is just going to load up on SEC players here. I'm assuming, um, but. Aaron Anderson in round five. I'll echo a lot of what Jacob said there. I don't know what role he's going to play in that Alabama offense. They have a lot of bodies there. They've been bringing in more and more uh, transfers, too. They've been more active in the transfer portal. Um, I don't know what his future role is going to look like for them. Taking him in round five is pretty rich for me. All right, moving on to Seabock 84. Jacob, who do you got? Uh, yeah, Reggie Florima. I mean, so I did basically kind of starting this off is I took all the prospects and then I ran like correlation for height, weight, all that kind of stuff, BMI, 
and then it kind of tiered the prospects out for me because the reality is I don't have time in my life to watch 250 players on huddle. I just don't. So I got to kind of weed through it. But Florimo was way up there in terms of like NFL size potential. So then I watched him and he was just like one of the few players. I was like, no, like <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not for me. So I don't know. I could be completely wrong. I'm no film expert by any means, but at the same time, I just didn't like what I saw. Um, for me, I feel like I'm pretty in the weeds on people, but I, I didn't know who this guy was and was taken like somewhat later. So, you know, knock on me for not being as well versed as I, I thought I was, but for me, he, he had a really solid draft. Otherwise I thought this was kind of like the one bad pick that he had, but that's about all I had. Yeah, I I also I thought he had a pretty good draft too. So I struggled to find one that I really didn't like. It. And Reggie Floriema just really stood out. I mean, you know, he was a solid, He was fine as a prospect. He was solid. It was a good get for Northwestern. Um, but when has a Northwestern wide receiver ever done anything? Yeah. Um, they don't really pass at a high enough volume that he's going to produce in college. I don't think he's going to be anything in the pros. Um, so. Uh, he's another guy that I don't really see taken too often, and, and round 10 would be a little early. All right, CWLS07. Jacob, who who's your least favorite pick here? All right, let me look. I went with uh, Steve Angeli, just like you, Luke. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't know who this was. Me neither. Like, I've got Buchner, and I'm pretty convinced he's going to be the guy – like, he's got to be down there. Like, he's either third or fourth string. I just – and then, they, you know, they bring in a high recruit for for next year. Like, I just – I don't see how he, he makes it onto the field at Notre Dame. So, I think um, that was – He is a Notre Dame fan, though. He is so, a Notre Dame fan. Then probably we are. But round 11 um, – just lit it on fire. There's other people that you, you could have got. Yeah, actually, I didn't hate the Steve Angeli pick. Um, I mean, he's – I didn't love him as a prospect. He was fine. But with Notre Dame missing on Dante Moore in next year's class, they did sign five-star C.J. Carr in 2024. But Steve Angeli – I mean, Tyler Buckner is a guy that we have a lot of hope for. Uh, I, I think he's a very toolsy guy. He has some cleaning up that he needs to do in the passing game, though. He's really struggled as a passer. If he doesn't take that step forward, it wouldn't really surprise me that much to see Steve Angeli competing for that job. Um, you know, I don't know exactly know what his long-term upside is there, but I didn't hate it. Stetson Bennett, on the other hand, in round eight, I, I don't like Stetson Bennett at all. Um, I, I don't think he has an NFL future. This dude's going to be selling insurance, um, you know, next year. And he had some decent games last year on the CFF side, but the back of that was on um, Yak, the yards after catch, and some really outside the norm efficiency. I don't see that happening again this year for him. I don't think he's really going to be starting a worthy of free on the college side. Um, and then to take him in round eight, I think was pretty early. 
So sorry, uh, Chad, you might have got confused with your other uh, campus to insurance league um, with that pick. <laughs> so sorry, <laughs> sorry about that one. Your campus to State Farm. <laughs> All right, uh, hey for KC, Jacob, who who's your guy? So I went with uh, Dylan McDuffie, um, just because. I mean, Jameer Gibbs couldn't get that run game going, so this guy might. I I just don't see it. I don't see it for the college side, and I don't know. I I I'm gonna go out on an assumption and seeing like, hey, I I'm looking at the fantasy points that he put up. Maybe not realizing that transfers to Georgia Tech. Maybe he does realize he's going to Georgia Tech and. I just don't like that that fit, you know, there at, at Georgia Tech. So that was also my pick. Yeah, there wasn't another obvious um, questionable pick in, in for this team here. So that was my pick as well, Dylan McDuffie. Um, going to Georgia Tech, that's not going to be a good team. Uh, Jameer Gibbs struggled to have fantasy relevance there, and Jameer Gibbs is at least 100 times the back that Dylan McDuffie is. <laughs> Uh, there's no guarantee that he even wins that starting job. That coaching staff is probably done after this year, too. Uh, I don't see a lot of hope for McDuffie. Right, Jacob. Moving on to Rinker I, who is your least favorite? So I did – this one was tough for me because I didn't dislike a lot of – I didn't dislike any pick, to be quite honest with you. I went with O'Dunes just because, like, this is a guy out of high school that I probably would have been all over. But at the same time, he really hasn't produced yet. So I went with O'Dunes. I still kind of like O'Dunes. I mean, Ian had a great draft, yep. in my opinion. Um, I think his fault was Nick Evers in the eighth round. Um, I get the value, but reports out of camp that, like, hey, he's not exactly picking up what we thought he would. Um, they bring in um, General Booty there as a um, from Juco slots in ahead of them and then I can't remember who they got committed to them for 2023 but also um, the guy who won the Elite 11 Jackson um, Arnold Jackson five Arnold star. five star so like probably just not he's going to have to transfer to see the field in, in my opinion and I don't like to draft people hoping that they transfer so that was I think Right idea with, hey, if he happens to be the next guy, Oklahoma's offense is a good one to be a part of. I just think it's not going to be him. Um, just kind of reading the tea leaves. Granted, people can always switch. And, hey, I don't want to draft somebody thinking they have to transfer, but also don't want to draft out of fear that, hey, this person is coming here because that doesn't mean anything at this point, really. So it could be okay, but that would be that would be my pick. Yeah, this is another draft that was a little bit more difficult for me to find one that I didn't like. Um, like Jacob said, there's there's a lot of good picks here. I also went with Nick Evers, essentially the same reason. Reports out of camp have not been as good as we've hoped. Uh, I like Nick Evers. I think he has a really nice tool set. I think he has the skill set to be an NFL quarterback, but he has a long way to go as a passer. Apparently, he's not really grasping the offense quite like they had hoped. Um, so they had to bring in General Booty for, uh, from Juco to slot in ahead of him, so that way they felt like they had a backup option. Jackson Arnold, five-star, Elite 11 MVP, 
uh, number one quarterback in Texas, you know, checking a lot of boxes here for potential future success. I like Evers, but he's falling down my board for me. Round eight's not a bad spot for him, but I struggle to find a worse pick. Yep. Um, Belleville, we'll have you evaluate your pick last. Uh, I'll go here. Mba- I don't know if it's Mbake or Mbake um, going to Arkansas. Um, he's a very raw wide receiver, um, but it's more so I didn't like it. Again, for I'm just trying to think of what Arkansas is going to be, and I don't think he's really going to do a lot this year. He's a big body, like you know, he, the lazy comp is like kind of kind of reminds you of Traylon Burks, big big guy. But then after KJ Jefferson leaves, like I really don't know what they're doing there in Arkansas. So you know, he just might not do much. That was again. Love the draft. I've got to pick somebody, so that was that was my pick. About Colin. Yeah, I, I liked the draft a lot here too. Um, so I had a hard time finding one that I didn't really like. Um, but I would probably put it at Denylon Morissette going round three. I don't dislike Denylon Morissette. I think he's a solid wide receiver. Georgia has just struggled to produce for their wide receivers there's been a lot of high four four star guys coming in there and none of them really seem to find success uh, you know they had success in the past but this new regime just hasn't really been able to develop guys like we hoped so great skill set uh, you know going to georgia could potentially get him drafted fairly highly if he can put it all together but in round three that's a bit early for me for morissette yeah, so I mean, early part of the draft, I was just getting my guys based on kind of my my freshman rankings, I guess. But um, I think I went with Chris Bell just because I mean he's so far out of like composite ranking. I mean he's like 180 or something. But it, there were times in the draft where I was just betting on athleticism, and then it's like if they're good enough, they'll figure out all the other stuff. All the other stuff is learnable. So. That's kind of where I went with Chris Bell, Mbake, to some extent. I do. The thing I like about Mbake at Arkansas is that Traylon Burks coming out, he really didn't. He played like four or five different positions. I mean, he wasn't. He wasn't exactly exclusively used as a wide receiver. So, yep. um, just yeah, I'm just betting for upside and ceiling. All right, and then my team, the prospects. Uh, Jacob, who did you not like as my picks? I went with Tillman, Cedric Tillman, at the 12th overall pick. So kind of the reason being that there's a very good chance that he's a one-year player on your college side that he's going to produce there, and then once he gets to the NFL side, like who knows? He's, he's a late declare. He doesn't have a breakout age. Um, that That's worth noting. And then – there's a reason I think that he didn't produce for three years, I guess, in college. So it's not that I don't think he's going to smash this year in college. I, I, I do. I think he's going to put up a ton of points for you. But it's – I just get I, – I got reminded when looking at, like, kind of his profile and my process of, like, Hakeem Butler. And so that's kind of what reminded – that's why I said it was the worst. It's kind of tough when – you know, you, you've got so many early picks, and, like, all these guys are good. So I would say at, at the 12th overall, that's the one that I didn't like the most. 
Yeah, with this many early picks, it is difficult to find uh, a bad pick. And even your later picks, there wasn't really any bad picks. Um, my least favorite pick here was Devin Leary going in round one. Uh, I think that that's an okay spot to take him. I don't think there's really necessarily anything wrong with that. But just looking at team construction, uh, if you were already set at the quarterback position, and by set, I mean loaded. You had a lot of different options there. Uh, Devin Leary has some NFL potential there too, so like I get it. But I think you could have gone a different way here uh, and kind of maximized your your team build overall. He was yeah definitely one of those guys that I was debating on on taking and I thought about doing um, Branson Robinson, but also wasn't quite sure. So I went there, um, and then my pick was either Ty Simpson or Ashton Genty. Um, and it's, again, a five-star quarterback. I think I took him in, like, the sixth round because he was there. And, hey, if he happens to be the Alabama quarterback, then cool. I was going to um, handcuff him there with uh, Milrow, but then Jacob. I was going to – I the Genty pick was going to be – I traded back in because I wanted Genty, but then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm nervous I'm not going to get Milrow. Decided to gamble. I'm like, who's going to look at Milrow? Then Seth Hennigan gets drafted, and then Jacob takes the guy that I was going to take. So I was going to take him again in the 11th round. So I'd made it, like, several rounds, and I was like, okay, like, this is going to happen. It's going to happen. And then, it, and then it didn't. So, but Jacob is off. What's that? He's got too many muscles to not be on my, be on my team, man. I mean, like, Jacob also was very kind and offered offered uh, Milrow for Quinn Ewers uh, straight up. So I respectfully declined, but it was a very, very generous offer. Generous offer, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just kind of like trading back into the sixth round to get those guys again. Or not Ty Simpson, but... Um, Ashton Genty, but one of my guys did an interview with him. Really liked him. Have that have that attachment. So um, again, probably maybe not around the sixth round in a ten team league, but but happy I did it. So now let's go through our rank ten, um, the worst to the best. So Colin. Let you go first. Who who had the worst draft going to the best draft? Um, my ranks here with the worst draft, I think, uh, was Saturday Champs. Um, then it was C Bach 84, uh, SEC FTW, um, C W L S O 7, HAFE 4 KC, uh, Farm System, Five Star Culture. Uh, Rinkery or Rinker I, um, Belleville and the Prospects. Right. And then mine was, um, so mine would have been Farm System, then CW Ellis 07. I never can remember Tweet's team. What's his? <laughs> um, I, get hit, I get him and Nate's team mixed up. Five Star Culture. Then it would be the Saturday Champs, and then um, Hey 4 KC, then SEC for the win, Seabock 
84. Um, Belleville, Rinker, I, and then myself. I mean, I like my own team, so why not be number one? Nothing wrong with that. And, and mine, I, I just opened up the first team, and I kind of just based each team that I looked at like off that team. So I can't remember which team I looked up first. And I look, you know, look up Jacob's team. Like, well, I like Jacob's team more. Okay. Now I look at this team. It's like, okay, well, I like less than Jacob, but more here. And kind of went there with um, just, and it was mainly value. I think value or like the thing I didn't like about tweets. His team was down there. The five-star culture. There was just so many quarterbacks taken. I mean, you're going to probably get your quarterback, but again, optimize, your picks were five wide receivers or three wide receivers, five flex, just a lot of quarterbacks. Sure, you can try to trade them, but I mean, we see how that's going for Grimm right now on the NFL side when he's trying to get a, rid of Mac Jones and no one wants Mac Jones. Well, I mean, mainly because Grimm's price is way too high, but other than that. So, Jacob, who did you have? So I'm just going to say their names because I don't have the brain power right now to like convert it to their team name. So, was that was uh, that impressive what I did there on the fly? Actually is, yeah. Was... But I'm not going to do that. I'm not nearly as <laughs> So in 10th, I had Chad, C.W. Ellis. Then in 9th, Dennis with um, Farm System. 8th, Brett, Hay for KC. Then 7th, Patrick. SEC for the win. <laughs> Sixth, Nate. I don't remember what it says. Saturday, Saturday, cha- Saturday champs. You're doing it. What? You're doing yeah, it. You said you didn't have the brain oh, power for this. I'm racking my brain right now. Fifth, Corey, Seabock 84. Halfway there. Fourth, Tweet. Okay, I... I think I just reminded you what his name was, but I just <laughs> yeah. I just lost it. Five star culture. Five star culture. Um, third, I put myself. Team Belleville. Very humble. Very humble. Second, I put the prospects, Luke. And then first, I put Ian. And the reason I put Ian was because I actually think he maximized his picks better than everybody else in the draft. I mean. There were times where I was reaching. There were times where you were reaching or I didn't like your picks. Ian's, it's tough to, like, poke holes when you actually look at the rounds that he was getting these guys in. I mean, he was just snagging up all the guys that were that still had meat on the bone. And, I mean, yeah, I thought he had a great draft. Like, like he had – so he had a second, fourth, five, six, two eighths, a nine. So he didn't, have like, have top picks. But here in the 12th round – Gets uh, Puka Nuka Nukua. Whatever you pronounce it, I don't know. <laughs> like that's a great pick in the twelfth round. Like he he did really solid work, and it was like a mixture of Devi guys and college producers. So yeah, I I think um, he did really well. Well there. I was really nervous because even the college producers that he's got, they still have like the opportunity to be like to move into that Devi realm. Like you, you think about neighbors. It's like he just needs a breakout, and then like we might be talking about him being a top five Debbie asset. So I don't like no, but I, I just thought he had the best draft. All right, now which six make the playoff, Jacob, and and who's your who's your champ? 
So, which six make the playoff? I think looking at their entire roster and kind of the from a fantasy points per game from last year, which I'm terrible at projections for college. I understand that. So if I'm wrong, whatever. But I have Brett, Luke, Nate, Dennis, Chad, and Ian. And then I have, I think I'll go with Brett, probably as the favorite to win it, like coming out of this. Um, myself, uh, I picked Ian, myself, Tweet, Brett, Nate, Patrick, and I also picked Brett. Um, he he was pretty strong on the college side last year. He's got um, three really good quarterbacks. I'm trying to remember who they are. Uh, Malik Cunningham. Um, Will Rogers. Will Rogers, yep. And... I cannot for the life of me remember his other. But he has three good quarterbacks, and in a league, we we just saw uh, Seabach84 had three really good quarterbacks um, this last year and kind of had a pedestrian rest of the squad, and those three quarterbacks just really carried him. When you got three, three hitters like that... Um, Brett's got Malik Cunningham, Dylan Gabriel, Spencer Rattler, and he's got... Basilock, Brewer with Liberty, Cam Rising, yeah. I mean, he's 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 in good shape at quarterback for. A and anytime time Malik Cunningham can just put up like a fifty or a sixty burger, like that's going to probably win you your week. Let alone, and he's got a lot of really good college producers. So I really like what what Brett's Brett's team looks like. Obviously, I want to win, but. I don't know. I don't know if I have necessarily all the college producers to do that. All right. Did you want me to take my six next? Yes. All right. I think mine, um, I have, in no particular order, uh, six, I think, make the playoffs. Uh, the prospects, uh, Rinkiri, Hafe4KC, CWLS07, Farm System, uh, and five-star culture. I think the title team uh, would be the prospects. I think that's probably my pick to win this. Um, Music to I, my ears, Colin. Music <laughs> to my ears. Um, I, I do think uh, Team Rinkiri has uh, a very strong team at the top. They just need to round out the bottom of the roster for CFF, and I think they could be a really strong contender as well. I just think next year, like, Ian drafted so well this year, um, you can pretty much rebuild your team with 15 picks, and I think his team's going to look really solid next year um, going off that. What did you – so somebody that you had in the playoffs that we did not – no, Jacob, I guess. Jacob had him with Dennis um, and Farm System. I guess what am I missing? Um, So – Farm system has some really solid pieces. I think that um, Reed, Jaden Reed's gonna have a really nice year. Devin Neal will have a really nice year. Um, there, there's not, you know, they, they have to round out the bottom of the roster there, and then it'll depend on um, Edwards taking a step forward as well. But um, that was, I think they're gonna be a fighter for that last spot. Because that was kind of where I was. It has a pretty good starting lineup. Um, maybe kind of has some weak two, three flex spots there and, and not really much um, 
on flex weeks, I think could be a dagger. So that's kind of what I th- I thought was lacking, lacking there. So yeah, the depth was something that I noticed a couple teams um, and and chat- might have some issues with here too. But I think the quarterbacks on this team also are strong uh, with McCall. I like Travis a lot this year too. Um, and then Malachi Corley is another guy that I'm, I'm really high on as well. Um, I can't. So, I can't wait to Grim. Um, after you listen to this, drop in the chat where you think Grayson McCall goes because he will be my next uh, Malik Willis uh, for you. Where I just I don't care what he does. He's just not. He's not going to be an NFL quarterback. And if you think he's a ten-year starter, we're gonna have to do a we're gonna have to do a stat tracker in the NFL of of him too. So. Um, another guy that I kind of missed, I guess, um, was C.W. Ellis, 07. Both of you had him in the playoffs, and I did not. Um, I think for kind of the same reasons of kind of lack there at the bottom, of maybe a couple flex spots and then not much on the on the bye weeks. What were your thoughts there, Colin, on, on him making the, the playoffs over some other teams? Yeah, so I think he has um, a really strong – squad all around the biggest question for him is he's going to need a quarterback to step up and kind of separate themselves I think Phil Dracovic um, coming back healthy this year could put up a really nice season Um, Jake Hayner and um, Max Dugan could also be nice pieces Frank Harris will be nice too Seth Hennigan so there's and Siobhan Cordero so there's enough QB talent there at the top that I think will have a nice rotation um, and then I like guys like Cropper and um, Cephas, Cameron Peoples, Zach Charbonnet, Michael Mayer at tight end too. I mean, it's not tight end premium, but I think he's going to have a really nice year this year as well. Um, a couple other pieces on the bench too that could be really nice. So um, he's going to need another couple pieces at the bottom, um, like a wide receiver or running back to step up. And one of those quarterbacks is probably going to have to take a step forward probably Dugan or Jerkovich. Um, but, yeah, I see this as a back end of the playoff team. Um, and then the last guy I want to talk about, I think we all had like pretty much like a core four that we agreed on, but somebody that myself and Colin had in the playoffs, but, Jacob, you did not. Um, so, Colin, if you want to kind of let your thoughts in on, I think it was SEC for the win. Um, I had them in the playoffs. I think, Colin, you also had them in the playoffs. Um, let me look. I did not have them in the playoffs. Okay, so I guess you guys don't have him in the playoffs. I do. Um, and let me pull up his his team real quick. Um, but I just thought he has a lot of like he definitely has a lot more Devi guys. But I think they have the potential to to pop off this year. Like Kendall Milton, um, I know is. Is one guy that he has yeah, that with that, I guess it's just like more projection of what they're gonna do. Like DJU, like yeah. he could come out and have an awesome year. Yeah, like, um, that's really possible. But he's got Lorenzo Styles, At Perry. Um, you know, if Brandon Thomas plays, he's got Addison. He's got Drake May. He's got Jackson Dart. Um, I think Byron Cardwell. Um, Travion Cooley, he's got some guys, and I think it was just more so the guys that were 
that I didn't think were going to make the playoffs because of their weaker couple flex guys. Like, I think uh, Patrick just had maybe a little bit stronger there. But like you said, Jacob, it, it probably is just a little bit more projection um, in that. So More projection, but, like, is there a scenario where he makes playoffs? Yeah. I mean, like, it's not, it's not that much a projection. So... All right, and then we'll round it out here, Colin, giving us your th- um, three guys to have your eye on. Uh, thanks, Ian, um, for putting that spreadsheet together of of undrafted free agents that we have available. Colin's went ahead and, and picked a couple guys that we, as a league, should maybe keep our eyes on. Yeah, I think that was definitely a helpful spreadsheet, so I appreciate that. Um, there's actually So I got one at each position for you. I'll give you four. Um, I think Garrett Schrader, quarterback out of Syracuse, I think he could have a huge year this year. Um, Robert and I, the offensive coordinator from Virginia, uh, and Brennan Armstrong's huge year last year, is now over at Syracuse. I think he can do a very similar thing at Syracuse with Schrader that he did with Armstrong. Probably not quite as high, but um, I, I think Schrader's going to be fine. He's not a great passer, but there's nobody else on that roster to right now to really uh, challenge him. And he has like three years of eligibility left. I think he's a sophomore. Um, he's at least two years of eligibility left. So I think he is a guy that I would go run to the waiver wire to pick up. Uh, running back Harrison Whaley for and dual threat, right? Like I think yeah. he had the rushing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's much more of a runner than he is as a passer. But Robert and I also worked with Taysom Hill in college. Um, Bryce Perkins, uh, who's also at West Virginia, also at Virginia. So he has experience with run first quarterbacks. So I'm not overly worried about that. Um, running back uh, Harrison Whaley, NIU. Um, Harrison ba- Whaley had a nice start to the year last year, hurt in the middle finished pretty strong niu is outside of like the naval academy and army um and some of those other military schools they're like the highest running rushing team out there so this team's going to be able to support two running backs Antar- antario brown and harrison whaley are the two that i think are going to step up and lead them this year and like i said whaley was really nice down the stretch um, so from- he's going to have some really nice production and then, um, if you guys aren't aware, um, a lot of the guys here are from the Ankeny, Iowa, which is CIML, which is Ankeny Hawks, JJ Cole, um, going, um, from Ankeny, but Harrison Whaley is from, I believe it's Urbandale, which is in our conference in high school. So, um, just kind of somebody cool to watch. If you have them on your team, pick them up on waivers or not, somebody from the CIML, you know, doing big things here at NIU. Cool. That's interesting. Um, wide receiver Tory Horton uh, for he's from was at Nevada and then went to Colorado State with basically the entire staff from last year for Nevada. Uh, that Nevada offense last year put up some really nice numbers. Romeo Dubes had some big weeks. Tory Horton had some nice weeks last year as well, but he's looking like he's going to lead that team in receiving this year. Uh, it's going to be a team that throws a lot. There's going to be a lot of volume to go around, and he has two more years of eligibility left. Um, So I think he's going to be a nice college producer. Uh, And then at the tight end position, uh, Payne Durham uh, for Purdue. Uh, Payne Durham 
is probably the most established receiving option in that room right now. Purdue loses David Bell. Um, Milton Wright was expected to step up, take the next, uh, be the next guy there, but he's academically ineligible for the entire year this year. They don't really have anybody else there. I think he could have a really nice year at the tight end position. So I like to call Purdue right now their Iowa East. Um, pretty much, I guess, all the <laughs> got two no, wide receivers go. What's that? No, they throw the ball. <laughs> well, they they had well they had uh, two Iowa wide receivers transfer over to Purdue. So, anyways, well, hey, Colin, thank you very much for for joining us today. This is a longer episode, but we only do one podcast a week, and I wanted to give everybody some credit and and get a chance to break down everybody's team. So I appreciate you staying on um, here pretty late tonight. Um, for sure. Yeah, so, no worries, man. I'm always happy to come on. Um, I love breaking down teams like this. I love just talking ball, talking some college players. So, yeah, more than happy to come on. Um, and you are the first two-time guests that we've had so i mean that's pretty prestigious your um award is in the mail um it's, okay. a, it's a gold spatula so it kind of works with kind of nice yeah. The chef's that's stuff. Okay. yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use the golden spatula uh although i, I could probably make a, a really nice like salmon burger or something like that with it but i'll frame it i'll put it up behind me well hey appreciate everything um thanks to, to anybody who's not in the league that's listening, I, it's probably a rough one to, to listen to, a long one. Um, but if you made it this far, uh, I, Jacob and I truly appreciate it. Um, but that's all we got for tonight. Um, thank you, and don't forget to start your studs. Good night. Good night. Good night.